All right, welcome, patrons, to the bonus episode for... Bonus. What is this, episode 46? Yep, that's it. Okay, wow. great. Um, okay, so we've got a couple different things that we want to talk to you about in this one. Um, and what I wanted to start with was actually the Urim and Thumim, which, if you remember, are the two things that he puts into the breastplate. In his upper pockets. Or something, or the, yeah. the, <laughs> the add-on compartments, or whatever it was. Um, so... These are kind of like we talked about during the episode. They're generally considered to be stones or like some kind of physical object that was yeah. used to determine God's will. And so I did a little bit more digging into this. And the first thing that I found out is awesome. And that's that there is something called cleromancy. Mm, whoa. So if you've played any role-playing games, you know I, about... I think that we mentioned cleromancy on the show before, because this is not the first time that the umim and the thumim... Thumin, well, they, the came up, they, they showed up in Exodus here. the first time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, cleromancy. And this, this definition of cleromancy is interesting. It's basically a form of determining a random outcome like mm. casting lots, which we're going to talk about in a second, um, where an outcome is determined by means that would normally be considered random, such as rolling dice, mm-hmm. huh. but in the case of cleromancy, are believed to reveal the will of God or of another supernatural entity. Like, or the, like the I Ching? Yeah. Like it changes, yeah. Right. The what? Like, the I Ching, which is what? It's, a, it's, a, it's tossing a number like of coins. S- Oh, okay. Is it coins? I think in some traditions it's sticks. I thought it was sticks, yeah. I'm talking but... purely of knowledge of osmos. I have right. not researched this, but it's from the Chinese tradition. Oh, interesting. Of, I guess, claromancy or divination yeah. of some kind. Yeah, yeah. a type of, of claromancy. Yeah, I suppose as opposed to divination, which would be like reading a tea leaf or something, that yeah. claromancy has more of the sense of like flipping a coin the or rolling dice. Well, but where there's like kind of a clearer outcome rather than like I'm interpreting kind of a general uh, meaning from I this see. thing. Yes. It's like, it's like this, this is more, heads, more so it means X. Right. Okay. Okay. Sure. I, I, that's at least what I understand. That's what, what claromancy is. Yes. So then I was like, okay, we've all heard of casting lots. I mean, um, no, we haven't, but sure. Have you really never, because it comes up in like Greek mythology. It's like in historical texts. Like Literally the only time I've heard of casting lots has been in the story of Christ. Really? So no, that's so I think a it no. makes sense really? why Emily would not have. Okay, been familiar wow, with yeah, that's that. good for me to know. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay, so it's just betting on dice is what casting lots. Means. Really, yeah. basically, yeah. So they're not necessarily dice in the way that we know them, mm-hmm. but well, that's a picture right there of stones with numbers on them that or something. Look a little or dice symbols. Dice-ish. They look kind of dicey. Dicey. They're a little <laughs> dicey. I don't know, guys. Yeah. Um, so. Basically, in the Jewish and Christian tradition, um, it was a way of determining God's will, and they could be sticks with markings or stones with symbols drawn on them. Okay. You know, different things, but they're thrown into a certain area, and then the result gets interpreted, and that that is like the decision of of God. See, okay, I'm just going to stop you right here, because... Sorry, I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to pause you right here. Okay, pause me. Because it feels so ironic to me that when I was being raised in a Christian household, like anything that had to do with divination or fortune telling was so wrong yeah, and forbidden, right? like tarot cards or really? even gambling. Oh, yes, tarot cards or, or casting runes. it feels like a thing that your or, mom would do now. 
<laughs> well, the irony is that she did when I was very young, when she was a hippie, and then she burnt didn't. the tarot. She literally burnt up the tarot cards Whoa. and then came back to the Christian church. And now, when I go home, she asked me to give her tarot card reading. So we've come full circle. <laughs> yeah, all anyway, the way back around. Wow, but it's like like them. those things were so uh, just like condemned as huh. like those are of the devil. That's not of God. You're not supposed to be doing any kind of fortune telling or divination and. Yeah. So, of course, they definitely glossed over the fact that the priests were doing some kind of divination. However, it didn't bring back a memory of learning about it in Sunday school. What I had learned in Sunday school is that the priest would maybe carry around a bag that had some stones in it that they would, like, reach into. And based on, like, what they pulled out of the bag, that might be a tool where they would get messages from God. Is how it was put to me. Not that it was, like, some kind of superstition divination kind of but thing. But it's kind of like... Six of one, half a dozen the other. It, exactly, right? Like the same kind of it's thing. It's the same exact thing. It's just that it's like, this one's attached to our God, so it's okay. okay. Well, yeah, there's that. So there's always that. One yes. of the one of the things I was, I was reading about here, about casting lots in the Bible specifically, is that essentially the, making the argument that the purpose of this amongst the priesthood was to make decisions that didn't matter that that could be random. Oh, I see. So not about like where do we go next or something, but just like an example that well, I'm trying not to give spoilers, but it would be like say we have to decide like okay, like say you're doing a sacrifice and you're like uh, we need to take one of these lambs that are all free of blemish. Okay. Which one? It's oh. a decision that ultimately doesn't matter, but by casting lots, by essentially doing it randomly, like flipping a coin or rolling dice, you're eliminating the possibility of like, oh, well, you just favored that person's lamb because you're their friend uh, or because of nepotism. It, so, or like, so, Okay, so to kind of create a sense of fairness right. around huh. it. Right. That's an interesting point. The like, way that we're like, we'll open up pre-sale tickets to this concert by lottery or something I like that. I suppose so, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, so that's the argument. I think that we will come. What's cool is we're going to run across casting of lots. Yeah. All the way up to the New Testament. Really? So we're going to get lots of this throughout the Bible. Not constantly, huh. but here and there throughout. Okay. Um, we're going to get examples of this. I am curious to see if some of them might be a little more things where we're like, whoa, that seems like you're kind of putting people's lives in the hands of these dice. Is that is that going to happen? Are things going to get dicey with people's lives? I'm not I'm not totally sure. I don't want to like, I don't know. But I, I can tell you, though, that casting of lots shows up in like Leviticus, Chronicles, Psalms, Matthew, in Acts, um, in Nehemiah, in uh, Chronicles. Like, it's going to show up kind of interspersed throughout. Um, I think in Judges, too. Interesting. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna hit upon this. Um, but I think it was interesting. And then <laughs> the last thing that I that I did want to share with you is um, about Joseph Smith. Oh, yeah, he's entered into this story. Joseph Smith. We're going way into the future now. Yeah, the only thing I know about Joseph Smith is that he's in the Book of Mormon. Well, he's the creator. the musical. He's the creator. He's in the musical, yes. He's the creator of Mormonism. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Joseph Smith created the Latter-day Saint movement, also known as Mormonism. And so, real quick recap for those of you who did not watch 
or have not seen the Book of Mormon musical or listened to it or whatever. Okay. Um, and also just don't know these things. Joseph Smith claimed to have found these golden plates that were written by God, that God told him where to find, and he found them, but they were not like readable by humans, and so he translated them onto normal paper. But he's a human. He's a human, but God gave him the ability to read these plates. Okay. They were written by angels, maybe, or by God. I can't remember which. Aliens. I thought it was by Christ. Oh, it none might have been by Jesus. None of us yeah. are Mormon, so... Yeah. Okay. Could be wrong here. Did you continue our theme of, like, half-baked, yeah. half-informed <laughs> yeah. discussion? Nothing's changed now that we've moved into <laughs> the, the 19th mm-hmm. century here. Cool. Um, so, anyway, what's interesting, though, what's related to this, is that he said that he used interpreters in order to translate the Book of Mormon from those golden plates. Okay. And he described those as a pair of stones fastened to a breastplate, joined in a form similar to that of a large pair of spectacles, which is interesting. And then later he referred to these objects as the Urim and Thummim. Mm, So those same stones that were mentioned as being the thing that the priests use. Um. So anyway, like he claims to have used objects at least by the same names. I don't know if he's they claiming were the they were the same objects, or not. Yeah, but, right. Um, but that they come back even thousands of years later in the 1800s. Sure, Joseph. By Joseph. Sure. Smith. Who knows? Sure. All right. Who knows? Interesting. All right, Dedeker, what do you got? Oh, well, I want to talk to you a little bit about these poor boys. Poor boys. These poor oh. eldest boys of Aaron who just got struck down. So they were the oldest brothers? They were the two oldest boys of Aaron. Because I like, assume they were the young... The young ones that no one cares about? No, they're the right. oldest. Um, wow. Nadab e- and Abihu. Um, so <laughs> there are a lot of articles online where they're like... What did they do wrong? Yeah, that's <laughs> um, a great question. Why was this the reaction? I'm a little confused. Um, but some people make the argument like, no, no, no. The mistake they made is quite clear. So this particular article that I'm the- looking at, which is on simplybible.com, um, explains that. So they, they kind of made two mistakes. Okay. One of them was profanity. And I don't mean profanity like, you know, F words. And S words and drop an F bomb. You know? yeah, it's like yeah. where did they swear? <laughs> well, there was a there's a okay. So in the translation we read, they called it strange fire. In other translations, they call it profane fire. Huh. So this like idea- they were farting and lighting their farts oh on fire. I doubt that somehow, but maybe. Maybe they were like late, I, late Jace, teenagers. I've never been filled with so much like delight and revulsion at the same time. <laughs> um. Well, okay, whatever. Essentially, the idea that like they offered something to God that wasn't sanctified beforehand, something that was just like kind of ordinary. Mm, um, I see. And then the second problem is a presumption that they presumed that they were doing something to worship God, but he didn't ask for it. Nobody asked for this. Exactly. <laughs> right presumed you know assumed and you know what happens when you assume you get burned up in fire yes up the ass yeah. well like uh, you make an ass okay. out of you and me you and me being native and abihu um <laughs> gosh and so uh, like there's a couple of reasons why people back this up the idea that like the sensors they were using belonged to the altar and so that means the sensors were sacred since the altar was sacred and this line from this article is they should have guessed that boy 
Since the censer was a holy object, only fire from a holy object, like from the altar or from Yahweh, would be suitable to put in the censer. So the idea being that like they lit it with normal fire, and it should have been with holy fire or with oh, God's boy. fire. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was the problem. Is they made an assumption? Wow. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess like we were we were talking earlier before recording this bonus content about kind of the idea of Leviticus being about establishing like clean and unclean and what's holy and what's ordinary yeah. and kind of the importance of that distinction of like you can't be around God and be ordinary you have to be in a state of like cleanness and holiness so is Moses is that like is he constantly in that state well, he does have a shiny face. Remember, I'm not going to let the two of you forget that he has a shiny face. Shiny face. See, I guess in my head, it slowly faded over time, and now he's back to having That's a normal face. That's what I thought face. when I was a child, but now I'm like, no. Nah. In my head, in my head canon, perpetually shiny face. Always a shiny face. So that means he's always ordinary. And the way you said that where Wait, you're ordinary like... ordinary or holy? I mean, he's always not ordinary. Okay, <laughs> right. Okay. Like the way you said that where you're like, you can't be close to God and be ordinary, that definitely made me think of like, I'm sh- for sure. Sh- like certain that there's a youth pastor somewhere making a lecture about like in order to be close to God you have to be extraordinary. Right. You, know, you yeah. can no longer be ordinary. If wow. that if that uh, Yeah, that if all your friends tell you like this yes. is what normal kids do, he's like, but yes. if you want to be with God, you can't just be Dude, ordinary. Jace, oh, this is it writes itself. Let's go write if this sermon right the now. Sermon, exactly. If the sermon's not already written, we gotta write it. I've See, missed- this means a lot to both of you, but to me I'm just like <laughs> This seems whatever, not not very interesting, Emily, not very impressive. By the time we end this podcast, you're going to be writing sermons all your own. Trust oh, yeah. me. Maybe, maybe, except for you guys, like, really just have a head, like a head start. Because not only do you know the things that we're talking about, you you don't know the things that were, that you didn't know before. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, like, all of the things that you're like, wow, I've never heard this story before. Like, yes, obviously. Like, you and I are in the same boat in that way. But we you know the a- difference between what other people might know and what they don't? No, meaning like you just have such a heads up on like all the other stories that you already oh, do okay, know. And I don't. Though. This is the irony, though. You call it, you say that it's us having a head start. And the way that I see it is that like, you had a head start in having a normal life with like normal I mean, social interactions. Because like in America, normal, I think, is more of the life that y'all had. I guess That's maybe. That, that is too. arguable. But if you want to be close to God, you don't want to be normal. <laughs> oh my God. You want Jace, to be bringing holy. it back home. Yeah. Well, I don't know what I would be then. I would be neither. I would be neither normal, holy, or anything. No, Anyways. I think you could become a great youth pastor by the time we're done with this, Emily. I have faith in you. Um... <laughs> I don't have faith, and that's the problem. (laughs) And on that note, thank you for listening yet again. We'll see y'all next week.